Good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us today, I wanted to say thank you. Thank you so much for choosing to spend your Sunday with us. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements before we get into the Word. Number one, in front of you, you'll see a QR code. And what that's for is that's for any time throughout the service that you're ready to take a next step. And so when the sermon's over, if you want to choose to follow Jesus today, or if you want to sign up to be baptized in water, if you'd like to join a small group or lead a small group, you can scan that QR code and it's going to send some information to you. Fill that out send it to us, and then we'll reach out to you this week and just be able to help you with those next steps. <clears throat> also, if you are visiting today or you're kind of new to this church, been coming for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, this Tuesday night, 6.30, we're going to have our, what we call meet and greet. And so you show up, we'll provide some dinner. Darla and I will take some time to just talk through the vision of the church and the history of the church, and then also uh, kind of a time of Q&A. And so if you're new or you've been coming for a while and you say, I really want to take that next step, either scan that QR code or plan to be at meet and greet Tuesday night, 6.30, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to answer all of those questions. Throughout this series, we're doing a series on prayer. We're trying to take a moment right before the message and bring some attention to one of our outreach partners, and then also spend just a moment in praying over them. So as you may have seen in the lobby, it was kind of crowded, so I don't know if you saw, but we have Youth for Christ with us. So I want you to invite the team from Youth for Christ up real quick. Come on. This is an exciting, I want to encourage you as they're coming, when you leave today, get an opportunity to swing by their booth and ask any questions. I'm going to invite Mr. Jeff to share a little bit about Youth for Christ. Good morning, Victory Church. Hey, y'all come over here a little bit, sorry. Okay. Uh, my name's Jeff. I'm a pastor and also the executive director with National Youth for Christ. Uh, Youth for Christ has been a, in existence for decades, so you may not be aware that Dr. Billy Graham started as the first full-time employee of Youth for Christ back in the 1940s, started with the assemblies, and then from there rolled into the different ministry models that they have. Our specific chapter is currently the only one in the state of Tennessee. Uh, we have four ministry models that we do campus life, which is our outreach to 11 and 19-year-olds in middle school and high school, sometimes elementary schools. But then also our Sea uh, Life is a program that we do in community outreach events during the summer as well as during the school year. Our JJM project is our juvenile justice ministry, and so that's where we actually go into a, a juvenile facility, whether it's a short-term or long-term facility, and care for those students that are spending some time there and then help them when they get out. And then our parent life ministry, which is our ministry outreach to teen moms and dads. And I'm going to let Miss Deanna share just a few things about that. Good morning, everyone. My name is Deanna Jibby. This is my son, Ethan. Um, it's a blessing to be here, and um, thank you guys so much for all the support that um, outside the diapers and the wipes. It's really needed. Uh, we get text messages around, I mean, you can name it 1 a.m., a student would text me, Miss Diana, we need diapers, milk, or things for their babies. And you guys know things are very expensive right now, especially um, for the teen moms. You know, they're trying to go to school and finish and graduate. So basically what we do, we go into the school, um, we have a group there, and just um, have a parenting class to support them, encourage them to finish, to graduate, and to be able to... Um, just to stay focused and be strong, but also to build a relationship with God, to know that they're not alone and that they are loved, and that just because you had a child at a young age or outside of marriage, God still loves you, and his grace and his mercy is bigger than that. And for them to see Jesus through just the support, through people, through us being there, that's how they come close to Christ, right? Not just through preaching, but to see the love. So I just, yeah, um, 
we're here and if you guys are able to volunteer, we have some information. We, yeah, we would love for you guys to come and support. So thank you and God bless you guys. Yeah, and for us, as I'm sure is the same for Pastor Troy in this uh, Victory Church, uh, prayer is a big part of what we do. It's in our ministry models too, so we appreciate too your prayers for our ministry as we try and keep the, the train moving well with Youth for Christ. So thank you again for yes, allowing sir. us the opportunity to be here this morning. Yes, sir. As you guys know, we're continuing to take up the diapers, as Zoe mentioned, throughout the month of August, and we want to continue that to be able to support. I love what you said, that that's showing them that it doesn't matter if they had that child early out of wedlock, that God still loves them. That's our heart. We want them to understand that. And so just a great way of doing that by providing diapers. Also want to say thank you to every person that financially gives to Victory. Uh, later on this month, we will take a bunch of the students out to a ropes course day and just hang out, provide food. And it's just an opportunity, again, to love them, to help show value to them, to continue to confirm their identity in Jesus Christ. And so we just love this ministry. We love partnering with you. And so please do me a favor. When you leave, stop by that booth, ask maybe mentorship, uh, financially, volunteering, whatever it is you can do to go above and beyond to help this ministry. Obviously, we partner with them as a church, but if it tugs your heartstrings, we encourage you to do that. Uh, if you do me a favor, I'd love to pray for you. If you just kind of reach your hands out, we want to pray. Father, we thank you right now for this ministry team, for Youth for Christ, and for what they're doing, and for every young man and young woman that they're ministering to on a daily basis. They're being able to show the love of Jesus Christ, and that's our passion. That's our mission is to show the grace and love of Jesus. So if we can do that through providing diapers or a day at the ropes course, but this team, this team that's in it every day, 24-7, 1 a.m. phone calls, Father, we pray strength for them right now. We pray spiritual strength for them. We pray that you would bring all resource, all volunteers, everything they need for this ministry to be all that you have for it. I, I, I thank you for this leadership. I love this leadership and their heart for the people that they minister to. And I just pray for every prayer request, every need they have that you would meet. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Give it up one more time. Thank you. Thank you. Man. Thank you. Good to meet you, man. Coming up here trying to look fresher than me. I don't like it. Don't like it at all. I'm going to wear that same outfit next Sunday. You just wait. If you'll let me borrow it, it'll be a little bit tight on me, but we'll be good to go. Uh, come on, put your hands one more time together for Youth for Christ. <clears throat> Love being able to partner with them and all that they're doing. We're starting a brand new series today called Pray First, and it's this idea I wanted to bring to you with not only our 21 days of prayer that'll be on our social media and on our website, our prayer bracelets that you were given when you came in, our Thursday night prayer nights that'll happening, be happening the next three Thursday nights from seven to eight. We're wanting to wrap this season as we get ready for the second half of the year in prayer. And so we know school started back. A lot of people are kind of getting back out of that summer slump and we're getting ready for a big half of 2023. And I just think it's important for us to start it off with prayer. We begin our year with prayer and fasting and then we kind of begin our second part of the year with prayer. I wanted to, to mix that though, not just about prayer, but also this concept that exists in our culture today about worry and anxiety and really break down how you and I can deal with it. There's a verse in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, my personal favorite Bible verse that says, do not be anxious. Another version would say worry. Do not worry about anything. But in every situation, everybody say every, in every situation. So no matter how small or how big, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, watch this, present those requests to God and watch what will happen. The peace of God, so do not worry, 
but pray, and the peace of God, and I love this, which transcends all understanding, so it goes beyond our ability to really process it or to make sense of it, that kind of peace is going to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And so we've kind of tagged this sermon series as worry about nothing and pray about everything. Right? That, that's going to be our focus the next couple of weeks. Worry about nothing. We got any natural worriers in here? I, I'm just a natural worrier. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about what to do when our culture starts to shift and when our culture starts to move in a direction that might not follow biblical standards and so on. And I think it's going to be a real powerful Sunday and we'll continue on with the series. But today, today I want to talk to you from this idea, praying when stuff happens. I told first service, I thought about, instead of calling it stuff, putting that little poop emoji up there, right? When, when stuff happens, you know what I mean? Because sometimes we go through something where the word stuff isn't even enough. Everything, we can worry about everything because everything is worrisome. I got a Facebook message from uh, Miss Lauren this past week who watches and listens from Athens, Georgia, and she was just saying how much she appreciates the ministry of victory, and we got to talking, and she mentioned her struggle with worry and anxiety, and I told her, I said, hey, welcome to the club. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I I'm there. I know what you mean, and I encouraged her. I said, pay attention to this series we're about to go into because we're going to talk about what we as believers need to do with our worry and with our anxiety. In 2020, the American Psychological Association they, they released their annual Stress in America report, and it was a 10-page report. And at the end of that 10-page report, watch what they said. They said, we are facing a national mental health crisis. We are in the middle of a national mental health crisis that could yield serious health and serious social consequences for years to come. We were already struggling with worry. We were already struggling with anxiety. And then you bring on 2020, all that we went through. Then you bring on 2021, trying to recover from that. And even two years later, we are dealing with what could possibly be a mental health crisis. But here's where I've arrived. I, I believe there is no doubt that the absence of prayer has had an impact on the presence of worry. I, I think the... the overall cultural absence of prayer, our ability to get to a place where prayer is not as common and is not as automatic, I think the absence of prayer has helped lead to the presence of worry. I was thinking about this. If you read the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation, there is no shortage of triggered moments to worry. No matter who you are, no matter what the Bible character is, you could just kind of flip through the Bible and pick them, and you could find a time in their life where they are addressed or approached with something that as a result brings worry. For example, we could talk about Moses dealing with the flood. We could talk about Joseph being put into a cistern, left, to de left for dead, uh, and then sold into slavery. We could talk about Esther, who all of a sudden is put in a position where she has to lead. We could talk about Ruth, whose family dies. We could talk about... Um, uh, Oh, gosh, I, I realized I just said Moses in the flood is what I think I said. Noah in the flood. Sorry about that. Just trying to go through them all, right? We, we could talk about Paul. We could talk about the disciples. We could talk about anybody throughout the scriptures, no matter who they are. Samson, you just want to name. How about Mary being impregnated through the immaculate you know, conception, right? We could talk about any scenario throughout scripture, and you're going to find moments that trigger worry. 
But what happened in scripture that doesn't happen as much today is that you see these people automatically went into prayer. Something happened and it triggered worry and they prayed. And so anytime you take the prayer out of situations, you create the absence of prayer, you're going to create the presence of worry. Now listen, prayer is not a bunch of empty words that we kind of whisper into the wind. It's not something that we're just speaking out to the sky. And it's also not a relaxation technique. Prayer is a powerful channel of peace. Prayer is not just something that we go through. It's not just a pattern that we operate by. Watch this. It's not just a request for an answer. It's a powerful channel of peace. And here's why. Because it brings you and I into the presence of a real, present, caring, active, sovereign God. Prayer moves us from all we can do to all that God can do. It moves us from the best we can do to the best God can do. Prayer is a channel to peace. So your question may be this. Well, why do I want to pray first, though? Like, first, you know, something happens that that triggers worry, and, and you're telling me I need to pray first, but I could also pray like third or fourth or fifth or down the road or in a couple weeks. No, I'm telling you to pray first. Well, why? Well, in order to explain that to you, we're going to go to the book of Daniel. We're going to be reading today from Daniel chapter 6. Next week, I'll hop back to Daniel chapter 1, but this whole series will be kind of pulled out of the book of Daniel. I want to give you a little bit of backstory of what's happening. So Daniel is amongst the Jewish people who are taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar and taken to Babylon. So they have been taken out of their culture and they have been put into a different culture, and they're being forced to learn their culture, okay? So for us, we could kind of disconnect because we start talking about words like Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. So let me help you. It would be like if somebody, you know, parachuted into our state and into our country and kidnapped all of us and took us to their country and forced us to work for them and to be enslaved for them and to learn their language and their customs. And so this is what was happening to the Jewish people. And a lot of the people were put into slavery and into work, but the ones that were really smart, the ones that were really handsome, the ones that were in great health, they were taken aside and put into areas of leadership. And so we're actually introduced to four of them. Three of them we'll talk about next week, but the one we'll talk about today is Daniel. And so I didn't, I didn't specify this last service. I need to specify it. Nebuchadnezzar was the one that was the king. But in this moment, we're talking about with the lion's name is actually King Darius. So when you hear me talk about a king, it's two different kings, but it's in the same area. It's still Daniel being underneath that leadership and in, in, in slavery. And so what happens is or Daniel's been kind of going through everything and keeping his faith for God. And no matter how um, tempted he is or no matter how difficult of a situation he's been put in, he keeps his standards for God. There's a whole scenario about eating I'm going to talk about next week that's really cool. But no matter what, Daniel always stands up for God, even in the midst of this pagan culture. And what we're going to read about is there's this group of men that they're jealous of Daniel because of the favor of God that's on Daniel's life. And so they come up with this kind of conniving plan to make King Darius sign a decree that says if you worship anybody other than King Darius, you will be thrown into the lion's den. And so this is a big issue. Imagine, I tried to say this to first service so we could relate. Imagine if all of a sudden the president signed this, this bill that passed that if any of us were seen worshiping God, we could be put to death. Pretty intense, right? 
It's hard for us to wrap our mind around, but you can see how this elevates worry. And so I want to show you what Daniel does. In Daniel chapter 6, we're going to read two verses, 10 and 11. It says, now when Daniel learned of the decree that had been published, when he got the news that this law had been signed, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem, which was an Old Testament way of praying. And it says three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed. Morning, lunch, dinner, he prayed. And he did this, watch, by giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Another version says, as was his custom. It was his custom to do, to pray three times a day. It was his pattern. It was his quiet time. It was his ritual. It was his routine. It's what he did. So he just automatically, when worry triggered, he went back to his custom. It goes on to say, then these men went as a group. They're going to try to surprise Daniel. And they pop in and they don't find Daniel worrying. They don't find Daniel crying. They don't find Daniel balled up in, uh, you, know, in, in uh, you know, in a corner, losing his mind. They find Daniel asking God for help, praying. I wanted to read this particular part of scripture because I'm seeing Daniel in this moment where he gets new information. That new information triggers worry. And when he begins to worry, he immediately goes into what he's accustomed to do. And what he's accustomed to do is to pray. And so here's my question for you. When something happens to you, what are you accustomed to do? When you get new information that triggers worry, what, what is your natural response? How do you respond before you can even really think about it? How do you respond before there's a real answer? For example, if you get news about a bill that's more expensive than it should have been, how do you respond? Where do you go? When you get, when you get news about a health crisis that you weren't expecting, where do you go? How do you respond? When you find out that someone that you love is sick or dying, how do you respond? What's your initial response? When you get an unexpected email or phone call, when something happens that triggers worry, when something that you didn't know was going to happen, right? When a relationship that you thought was going to be forever ends, when you hear a report from a doctor and it's the C word, right? When you walk into your job and they tell you you've been let go, when these kind of things happen, what are you accustomed to do? What, what do you naturally do? I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm a natural worrier. For years before, I, before, and I've gotten a lot better at it, but for years I am, I am automatically went into worry. If you ever sent me an email and you said, hey, can we talk? I mean, I would be so worried. I would call you that moment. I'm like, what do you want to talk about? I'm not sure. This could be bad. What do you want to talk about? You know, if my wife's not home when she's supposed to be, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's wrecked her car and she's dead and it's on fire. And she's calling. I'm just a natural worrier. Like, like what do we do? What's that? custom that we do? What are we accustomed to do? Listen, there will always be unexpected moments that trigger worry. Okay? You are never going to get away from unexpected moments that trigger worry. So I want you to understand the goal of today is not to eliminate worry. If somebody has ever told you, you just need to get to a place where you don't worry. You need to get to a place where you can eliminate worry. I don't believe that's even possible. I don't think we can eliminate worry because I think we'll always have that initial response. You know what I mean? It'll be that quick, oh, 
moment where you get news or information that you weren't expecting and boom, is that a mission? But watch this. We can prevent ourselves from living worried. There's a difference. There's a difference in you hearing new information and having a moment of worry, but then giving that worry to God and allowing yourself to transition in it. There's a difference in you worrying all the time. It's a difference in you living worried, where every time somebody talks, how you doing? Well, I'm worried. You know what I mean? You're like a walking human Eeyore. Like you're just negative everywhere you go because you're living worried. I was thinking about this, not not to like depress you, <laughs> but, but I was thinking about how if you really look at our lives, we, we really have something to worry about our entire lives. Like, it's crazy. Like, okay, I was thinking about this. Watch. You're in school, and so you're worried about if you're going to be bullied in school. You're worried if you're going to fit in. You're worried if, you know, how you're going to be portrayed and if you're going to have an outfit that gets you made fun of. You're worried if you're going to be able to pass the test. You're worried if there's going to be a pop quiz. You're worried if you're going to be able to make friends. You're worried if you're going to be able to go to, or if you're going to have any of your friends in your class. For me, I was worried about gym class because I wasn't sure, you know, what that was going to look like. And, and you know, you just have all these different worries. You get to, to, you know, 12th grade, and now you got to be worried about uh, your college choice and whether you're going to go to college. And if you're going to go to college, how much college is going to cost. And then you got to be worried if you're not going to go to college, you're going to get a job. And can I get a job? And what kind of job? And then you, all of a sudden you're told at senior year, watch this, you haven't thought about this your entire life. And your senior year, they go, what do you want to do for a living? And you're like, I don't know. Maybe you should have asked me this like six years ago. And I could have been thinking about it, right? And then you get out of high school and you're worried about your job and if you're going to love your job and can you keep your job and do you make enough money? You're going to have to get two jobs. And then you find out, am I going to get a house or rent an apartment? Can I afford a mortgage? Am I going to get a car, new car, used car, right? Worried about whether or not I'm going to meet my spouse. Am I going to get married? I'm going to be single all my life. How am I going to date? How long do I date? What does that look like? And then you even, then watch this. Here's the worst of them. Then you have kids who are just walking balls of worry. You know what I mean? Like you're worried they're going to get ran over. They're going to stick their hand into an electrical socket. Like you're just constantly worrying. And then by the time they get old enough for you to not worry about them anymore, if that's even possible, now you're so old you have to worry about retirement. <laughs> See what I mean? I mean, it impress you, but my goodness. You guys allowed Darla and I to go to Oklahoma last weekend to be with our pastors, and we're sitting there over dinner, and Darla's talking to Kelly, and I'm talking to Pastor Ron, and uh, all of a sudden he starts talking to me about my retirement. Starts asking me how much money, do we have a plan? And he's like scaring me to death. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm 38 years old, man. That's like 30 years from now. Let's talk about vision. Let's talk about this food we're eating. Let's talk about anything. Let's not talk about retirement because now I'm worried about what's going to happen to me at 65 and I'm 38. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just worry. Everywhere you look, you go anywhere. There's worry, 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 worry. Everywhere is worry. So if we're not careful, we find ourselves living worried. Now, there is a direct connection, I believe, between taking our worries to God in prayer and receiving his peace. I think there's a connection for all of us in taking our worries to God 
and then as a result, receiving peace. That's what Philippians 4 is saying. It's saying, hey, don't worry about that. Instead, bring it to God in petition, in prayer, in thanksgiving. Bring it to God, and then God will make a transaction with you. He will take your worry, and he will give you supernatural peace, peace that transcends. This part's so important. Don't miss it. That transcends all of your understanding. So even if it doesn't make sense to you, you'll still have peace, and it will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I was thinking, here's Daniel. They bring him this decree that the king has signed. He opens it up. He reads it. And there has to be this moment of worry, this moment of anxiety, this moment of concern. And he could have done multiple things. Watch this. First of all, Daniel could have went back to the king and tried to beg and barter with the king. Could have walked in and said, hey, man, it's me, Daniel. You know, you love me. You appreciate me. Any chance we could not, you know, you, can, can I just pray to God? You know, you can just put that on everybody else, but can, can I just pray? Or Daniel could have packed his stuff up. You know, he wasn't a slave. He was kind of in a leadership role, so he, he probably had a little bit of freedom, could have packed up his bags and, and walked on. Or, watch this, he could have just said, it's, it's just a short amount of time. God knows my heart. And so I just, I just won't pray for this time period. But as soon as this is over, God, I'll get back, you know, because I don't want to die or anything. That wouldn't be your will. You know what I mean? Like there's so many things that Daniel could have done. There's so many paths he could have went to to give his worry to. Listen, same thing for you and I. There are so many arenas and areas and pathways that we could take our worry to. And Daniel's trying to show us that the only place that you and I should take our worry to is to God. What we do with our worry matters. If you just hold on to it and stew on it, sit on it, that matters. It makes you sick. It makes you sick. If you go and try to give it to other people, your friends, who are also trying to you know, balance their own worry, you're just a bunch of worriers talking to each other about worry. You go on Facebook, right? Don't go there. You'll get judged for your worry. There's even a temptation to come and give it to your spouses or your parents. But listen to me. It's one thing to share it with them after you've brought it to God. It's another thing to come and dump it on them. What we do with our worry matters. When prayer becomes our first response instead of our last resort, we can change where we go and what we do when worry hits. I'm trying to show you that in a day and age where worry is at its highest, in a culture that's telling you you will always be worried and there's nothing you can do about it, in a stronger culture that's telling you that if you really want to get over your worry, do it yourself, I'm telling you that Scripture clearly shows and Daniel clearly shows us that when you're worrying, pray first. Pray first. Go to God with it. Sometimes it's a, it's, it's a drawn-out prayer. Sometimes it's a very specific wordy prayer. Sometimes you're in one of those moments where you, all you can say is, God help. You ever been there? You know, you just hear something. You don't have time for all the fancy words. It's just whatever comes out first. Ah, it's just a noise. Sometimes we just got to pray to God with a noise. Eek! You just, I don't even know. I'm, just, I'm, I'm in such a hard time. But the Spirit of God knows that. He knows that we're looking to him. He knows that we're coming to him. And he takes that transaction. He takes your worry and he gives you his peace. 
You say, Troy, you don't understand how big my situation is. No, no, you don't understand how big your God is. No matter what you go through, if you stop and pray first. So real quick, I want to give you three things this morning that happen to you when you pray first. All right, three things that if you and I, no matter what we go through, I walked this week with multiple people who had some pretty catastrophic uh, information given to them, life-changing information from, from, you know, houses being damaged by storms to losing their jobs and just walking through. And the whole concept is we need to pray first. We need to pray first. Three things that happen if you pray first. Number one is this, we will receive peace in the midst of panic. When you and I learn to not worry, but to take that worry to God first in prayer, we will actually, the transaction that happens is we will be given peace and we will be peaceful amongst a bunch of people who are panicking. Watch Daniel chapter six, verse 18. I love this. It says, then the king returned to his palace. Now the king has been informed that Daniel has been put in the lion's den. It says, then the king returned to his palace and he spent the night without eating. Okay. Spent the night without eating, didn't touch anything, had the huge buffet, charcuterie board, the whole deal, didn't touch any of it. He didn't take any entertainment, so he's watching no Netflix, nothing like that. He didn't want any entertainment, and he could not sleep. No food, no entertainment, can't sleep. Sounds to me like he's worried. Wouldn't you say he's worried? You ever been so worried you couldn't eat? So worried you couldn't sleep? So worried that when people tried to entertain you, like, just get out of my face. I can't even be entertained right now because I'm so worried. When I read that, I told Darla, I said, I can't believe this. I said, babe, listen to me. You got the king, the king with the palace and, and the comfortable bed and the buffet and the dancers and all. He's worried sick. And the guy who's in the den with lions is at peace. That math ain't mathin', you know what I mean? Like, like, help me out with that. The guy who is surrounded by all of comfort is worried sick. The guy who's surrounded by hungry lions is setting in peace. When you and I begin a custom of praying first, we'll be able to be amongst people who are in panic and will be standing in peace. I'll take you one even better. We'll be amongst people who are going through, wor- or we'll, we'll be going through worse stuff than the people we're around, and we'll still be at peace. And finally, people will say to you, How? I don't understand. How are you at peace right now? Nothing's changed. The circumstances are just as difficult. How are you at peace right now? Because I prayed first, because I talked to God. Prayer keeps you and I anchored in truth. When we pray, we are taken back to the truth of the scripture. We are taken back to the truth that God provides for us, that God protects us, that he is our provision, he is our savior, he is our strong tower, that there is no mountain, there's no enemy higher, bigger than our God. When we pray, we are right back into truth and we maintain an eternal perspective. It's a perspective that reminds us that this is not the end of my life. That this is but the blink of an eye and that there is eternity waiting for me and that by the grace of Jesus Christ, I have been saved by my sins and that no matter, or saved of my sins and no matter what happens to me on this planet, according to scripture, I'll be able to stand out from under. I'm reminded, reminded of truth 
and I'm reminded of an eternal perspective, watch this, that frees me some, from circumstantial worries and temporary trials. Years ago, Darla and I, we were uh, on staff in Memphis, and we were bringing a couple of busloads of students, young adults and youth, up here for a big event. And we were on I-24, and we were coming a night early. It was all happening Saturday, and so we were just kind of coming up for fun to, you know, act a fool in the hotel and have a good time. And on the way up here on I-24, the traffic stops, comes to a complete stop. And come to find out that a musician, a couple country music artists, their tour bus had caught on fire on the interstate. So the entire lanes of the interstate were completely closed. To give you the idea, we ended up being completely still for three hours. Completely still. People were losing their minds, okay? Like they were, you know, everybody's out of their cars. They're running around. They're going crazy. They're yelling. They're cussing. They're fussing. Like it's just, it's insane. And we were, we were actually pretty chill because we had nowhere to go. You know what I mean? We were just, we were, we were headed down there just as a precaution. So we weren't missing anything. We weren't trying to get home. So we were just like, whatever. We were listening to music and having a good time. And one of the guys on the trip and one of the bus, for whatever reason, it's dead on his truth. He had brought a full body gorilla costume. Full body. You couldn't see skin anywhere. I'm talking full body mask, you know, being able to breathe through it, whole deal. Another guy, his buddy, he had brought, dead honest truth, a full body banana costume where like, he looked like a big standing banana. That's what he was. And so they had this idea. They said, I'll put on the banana costume. This kid did. And the other kid said, I'll put on the gorilla costume and I'll chase you around. <laughs> and Donald and I heard this and like any, you know, Bible leaders, we said, you better do that. You better do that right now. That sounds amazing. And so he got out of the van and he chased him all around the open interstate, in through cars, around cars. I'm talking for like literally 30, 45 minutes. He just chased this guy up and down the interstate. And all of a sudden you started seeing people's faces change and their attitude change. They were pulling out their phones and they're taking pictures. Literally, people were taking selfies with the gorilla and the banana on each side, just like cheese, like the whole deal. And here's what's crazy. Nothing changed. We still weren't moving. The cars were still standing still. But all of a sudden, the perspective shifted. You see what I mean? And all of a sudden, people who were worried and stressed out, they didn't care about that anymore. Their perspective was on something else. What I'm trying to tell you is when we pray, God may or may not fix the situation in the moment. You may still be in the situation, but you'll have a perspective shift. You'll realize that God is in control. You'll realize that God, all things work good for those who love him, that he's still doing a good work until the end, thanks to Christ Jesus. You will have a perspective shift to understand that he's your father. He loves you. He's called you, protects you, got his hand on you, and he's in control. It's a perspective shift. It's why we can be in the middle of panic and have peace. It's why people say to you, how could you have peace? Nothing's changed. Well, because my peace isn't relying on my circumstance. It's not about what's happening in this moment. It's the fact that I know who's in control. God's in control. The king is losing his mind because he's looking for comfort. Daniel's at peace 
because he's looking at Christ. That was better than you responded. I didn't even give that to the first service. I saved that for you. The king is panicking. He's worried because he's looking for comfort. Daniel's at peace because he's looking at Christ. You've got to understand that. So we can have peace in the middle of panic. Number two, be reminded that God is the one who protects us. Not, not you. You don't protect yourself. Not happenstance. Not coincidences. Not, not safety belts and safety harnesses and wear them. I'm not telling you not to, but I'm just telling you, God protects you. Daniel chapter 6 verse 23 says, And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on David. Why? Because he had trusted in his God. So Daniel, not only is Daniel brought out of the lion's den, but watch this. He's not hurt. He's not bleeding. He's not barely living. He's not wounded at all because he trusted God. There, there's a sense of protection that comes from God. You have to believe that when you pray, watch this, your protection is being taken out of the hands of you and put in the hands of God. Make sense? Prayer does not mean that you and I are choosing to live in this denial of worrisome circumstances. I think sometimes people think Christians are stupid. They're like, don't you see what's going on? Having peace because we pray first is not this denial of worrisome circumstances. It just means that you and I are choosing to turn to God to protect us in the midst of them. We're not denying that they're happening. We're just choosing to look to somebody else for protection from them. Darla and I, we were in Panama City, Florida with my family visiting my dad. We were at this condo, and the condo had those ceramic, really hard floors. And Veda was like four or five years old, and she's running around, and she's got socks on. And we've already told her a couple of times, like, quit running, quit running. You got socks on. You're going to slip, you know, all this kind of stuff. And as soon as we said it, she slipped, and I mean teeth first, right on the ceramic floor, just bam, like, ah, you know. She looked up. She had blood just pouring down her face. And so I did what every good dad does. I went and did the dishes, right? Because that's, I just had to get away from it. I was like, I'll do what I can control, which is the dishes. Mom, you handle the kid. And so Darla, who's a phenomenal mom, swoops her up, takes her to her mom, who's a retired nurse. They're checking her out. Darla comes in. I've got all the dishes done, done my job. And Darla comes in and she says, uh, she says, we need to take her to an emergency dentist. I said, all right, let's go. So we hop in the car. We drive over to the emergency dentist. We get out. We get in there. We get the whole X-ray, the whole deal. The doctor comes and he says, uh, he says, the root's been severed. And it's a brand new tooth, front tooth. So the root's been severed and it's just barely hanging on. We're like, man. He says, I can do one of two things. He says, I can pull it right now. It'd be fine, be over. He said, it'd be a long time before that next tooth grows in. He says, or you can leave it alone. He said, but let me tell you what's going to happen. He said, in about a week, it's going to start turning brown. He said, then it's going to turn black, and then it's going to fall out of her mouth. And we're like, oh, man, you know, both, neither one are really good options. And all of a sudden, my wife speaks up, and she goes, never mind, we're good, we're good. Just, just you know, finish it up, and let's go. And I'm like, what? What are we doing? So we get to the car, and we're getting ready to leave. And I mean, she goes, home, before you leave, babe, can we pray? And I was like, about What? Like, what are we praying for exactly? 
She's like, she said, let's just pray. And I don't remember her exact words, but basically what she was saying is, let's just pray that that tooth is fine and that it, that it recovers and she won't lose it. It's like, okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the doctor was very clear. Like, this is going to happen, but, you know, since you've got much greater faith than me, why don't you pray? So she prays, and we sat there, and I was, I mean, I was in it. And we were praying, we're believing. And amen, Veda's back there with a popsicle. She could care less. Put in reverse, we head back to the condo. We enjoy our week in Florida. About a week later, that tooth starts turning brown. And we're like, oh man, this stinks. I'm not lying to you. My wife kept praying. She just kept praying. I'm thinking like, it's a tooth. You know what I mean? Like, it's a tooth. Let it fall out. She's praying. About another week goes by. And one morning, Veda comes up, and, and it was so uh, quick, we didn't even notice it at first. We had been around her for a minute, and we started looking. We said, wait a minute, look at your tooth. White as could be. Root, I'm not lying to you, the root had grown back, and that tooth stayed in her mouth all the way until the time it was supposed to fall out. Now, for some of you, that's like, that's a silly story. What I'm trying to let you understand is that the God of the universe cares so much about you He cares so much about my child. He cares so much about my wife that in situations where they cannot protect themselves, he protects them. He protects you. No matter how hard you think it is, no matter how impossible it seems, no matter how tough the situation is, God protects you. He protects you. He cares about you. Son of the king, daughter of the king. Listen, God protects you. That's why you pray first. Because when you get bad news and you don't know what else to do, God protects you. When you find out that you've lost your job and you don't know what to do, God protects you. When a storm blows the roof off of your apartment and you don't know what to do, God protects you. When you get a bad report from the doctors, God protects you. Daniel came out of the lion's den and with no wound because he trusted God. God, do you trust him? Do you trust him enough for him to be the first place you go to? So number one, when we pray first, we, re- we get peace in the midst of panic. Number two, we are reminded that God's the one protecting us. And number three, watch this. We realize that we don't really need answers. We need him. See, when I first got saved, I was under the impression that prayer's solo purpose was for me to gain stuff. It was for me to find myself at a place where I needed something from God, pray for it, God would either give it or not give it, and that wraps up what prayer is. I never really understood prayer being about anything else. And when prayer is only about answered or unanswered prayer, because of things you need. Watch this. When you don't need something, you don't pray. At least when you don't need something that is, until you need something that is outside of your own realm to control. Right? But I want to ask you a question. I just was thinking about this. want to kind of pique your interest when it comes to the theology of Daniel chapter 6. Now, what I'm about to ask you, there's no, there's no real wrong or right answer. So don't Don't be like in school when you were scared to answer because you didn't want the pastor or the teacher to embarrass you. It's not really a right or wrong answer. So you don't have to answer out loud. Just think it to yourself. Did God answer Daniel's prayer? 
Bible said he prayed three times a day. He gets the decree. He goes and he prays. Did God answer his prayer? I'll give you my answer, all right, in case you're wondering. Like I said, no wrong or right answer, but here's my thought. I don't think he did. He certainly answered the overall purpose of Daniel's prayer. But I'm like, did Daniel, walk with me, did Daniel's prayer look like this? Um, God, could you have me arrested and placed in the den with hungry man-eating lions? And once I'm in there, could you just shut their mouths and just have them walking around me looking at how delicious I look, but not even, like, I don't think that was his prayer. I think his prayer might have been like, God, could you just deliver me, right? Could you deliver me from the den of life? But it didn't happen that way. It's not the way it happened. And then I started thinking a little bit more, and I was like, you know what? Daniel's been praying much longer than I've been praying. Daniel's been praying for a long time. He's, he's a better prayer warrior than me. So maybe Daniel already knew what I'm starting to learn. Here's what I'm starting to learn. You ready? The goal of prayer isn't our preference. The purpose of prayer isn't to get our preference. And here's why. Because an answered prayer only produces temporary peace. An answered prayer only produces momentary relief. And as long as your peace is connected to your prayer request, then you have peace as long as the prayer is answered the way you want it to be answered. But if it's not answered the way you don't want it to be answered or you want it to be answered, then you don't have peace. But watch this. If prayer's not about preference, but it's about his presence, then it doesn't matter if what you wanted happen happens. You still get peace because peace is a result of his presence. Did you catch that? If my prayer request is my preference, then I'm not guaranteed peace. But if my prayer request is his presence, then I'm guaranteed peace because peace is a byproduct of his presence. When I invite God in, in comes peace. It made me think about this. Watch. The Bible says that Daniel's praying in the lion, or he's praying and he gets put in the lion's den. And the king wakes up the next morning, he's freaking out. And he comes running to the den. He's like, Daniel, 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 did your God deliver you? Did your God protect you? And all of a sudden, he's waiting. Could you imagine those couple of seconds where he's waiting to hear if Daniel responds or not? All this anxiety, all this worry. And Daniel goes, man, oh, king, live forever. Watch this. He goes, my God sent an angel of the Lord to protect me and to close the mouths of these lions. Here's what I realized. If God gives Daniel his preference, Daniel misses out on his presence. Because he's in the lion's den, his presence was in the lion's den. Let me give it even better, all right? Even a better one. Same book, Daniel. Different situation. The three Hebrew boys that get put in the fire. We're going to talk about this in a couple weeks. They too stand up to worship God in the midst of this pagan culture, and they get put into a furnace. And the Bible says it gets turned up hotter than usual. And there's this moment where the king is talking to his right-hand man, and he's looking into the furnace, and he goes, hey, didn't we put three men in the fire? They're like, yes, sir, we put three. We counted them. He said, then why do I see 
four. And watch this. Here's the best part. He said, and the fourth one that's in there with them, that's walking around with them, looks like the Son of God. So here's what I'm telling you. Prayer is not about my preference. Prayer is about God's presence. I need his presence in my situation. And if he always gives me my preference, then I'm going to miss out on his presence. If God keeps them out of the furnace, then they don't get to be in the furnace with God. Some of the things you're going through, you're wondering, why would God even let this happen to me? I'm telling you because he wants you to know his presence more than you ever have. Because he wants you to put trust in him like you never have. Everybody in here, stand up just for a moment. Prayer team, I'm going to invite you down. Here's what I want to do just to kind of kick this series off. I want to give us a time of prayer where we're just inviting the presence of God into our life. And so a couple of things. Number one, if you want to start following Jesus, you want to take the next step, scan that QR code. But number two, if you want somebody to pray with you, you've got something going on in your life that you just need somebody to lay hands on you and agree with you and pray with you. We got prayer partners down here for that. I want to encourage you to do that. I'm going to pray in a minute over all of us. The worship team will lead us in a time of worship. But there's something about having a brother or a sister agree with you in prayer. And so at any point after we end, if that's you, just make your way down the aisle, come down, have that time of prayer. But I want to pray real quick over all of us. Because maybe you came in here this morning with worry and anxiety and concern and fear. And you're not quite sure how to process that, how to pray for that. And I want to shift our prayer life, not so much right now about our preference, but about his presence. Let's just invite God into what we're dealing with, right? Close your eyes for a second. Father, we just right now, you got so many people in the room dealing with so many different things. And that our prayer requests and our prayer time right now not be about you answering our prayer but be about you sending your presence to be with us. You didn't stop the three Hebrew boys from going into the fire, but you showed up with them. And maybe today you are going to answer a prayer, but if you don't do it the way we want you to do it, we know your presence will be there. So come on, right now, if that's you, just however you might do it, you can do hands in the air, hands by your side, drop on your knees, whatever it might be, for whatever situation that you have right now that you've been worrying about, that's been giving you anxiety, Philippians says, present that request to God. Come on, right now, just give it to God. Say, Father, I need you. I need you in this situation. I need you in my marriage. Father, I need you when it comes to parenting my kids. I need you as I start school back. I need you as I start this job. I need you as I look for a job. I need you as my body heals. I, I need you as I get this report for the doctor. I need you with the thoughts I'm having. I need you with the temptations I'm having. Father, come into this place, not for my preference, but for your presence, God. Hallelujah, Jesus, right now. Right now, just receive him. Just speak to him out of your heart same thing that Daniel would pray. God, I need you. I need your presence, Father. I need you right now. Don't hesitate to ask him. Allow him to take away your worry and give you supernatural peace. 
Right now, allow him to remind you that he is the one who protects you. Receive him. Don't worry about your answer.